welcome to Singing the Blues. I'm Dom Housen. And I'm James Marriott. So coming up on this week's show with our friends at Taito Law, uh, one win, one defeat, plenty of talking points. Gary Monk will be giving us his views as ever. So first up, um, Bristol City, uh, nice, easy uh, trip for you, that one. Um, it was pretty good, wasn't it? Yeah, no, it was, it was a good day. And I, I thought it was a very professional and workmanlike away performance, James. Wednesday thoroughly deserved three points. Uh, the win, I think, should have been more emphatic. Um, you Connor Wickham missed a great chance to make it 3-0 in the second half, and I think that would have put it to bed. But I thought Wednesday's game management, actually, after Naki Wells scored, uh, was pr- was very good in that final quarter. And defensively, with the 3-5-2, I think it's arguably the best it's looked uh, in, the, in the sort of matches that Wednesday played and tried it under Gary Monk, uh, and what we've seen from the three matches, I know we'll come to West Brom later, is that I think we have seen a lot of positive signs and it has been encouraging. And I think the the performance level uh, is miles, miles better than what it was, uh, you know, pre-lockdown. Yeah, I agree with all that. I think good point about game management as well, because this is, uh, I think all of us kind of, there was a collective groan when Bristol City pulled one back because you kind of think, ah, we're going to lose this game 3-2, aren't we? It's just like the writing felt like it was on the on the wall. But I thought it was it was strong. It was um, it was just an all-round excellent um, away performance and three very good, very needed away points as well. Um, a few a few moments of the game that that stand out, um, and a, a couple of which will we'll probably get forgotten when uh, when all is said and done. So first off, very early on, Joe Wildsmith pulls off. The more I watch it, it's it's a quite miraculous save. Oh yeah, absolutely. Maybe the best see- the save I've seen this season and, and for a long time. Um, yeah, Julian Bernard actually lost Nathan Baker at the back post. Nathan Baker is a huge unit. It has to be said, he is an absolute monster and would drone. You know, he would you know over most people, um, he would look uh, a rather tall, lanky man. Um, especially me and you, James. But, yeah, <laughs> credit Joe Wildsmith. Yeah, brilliant save that was. And key, if, if Bristol City had gone in front, would have changed the whole complexion of the game. And, and you know, they were very flat and, and missed playing in front of a crowd, without a doubt. You know, the, you know it can get pretty vocal and vociferous down there. They've created, I think, a very good atmosphere with all the developments that they've done at Ashton Gate. And I think that, uh, you know, they really, you know, struggled definitely without the fans. But, what, yeah, Wednesday's game plan, the way they executed it, the, executed it, the way they performed, um, yeah, they went from strength to strength after Conor Wickham put them ahead with a, a – yeah, and the set pieces on the day – Again, what pleased me was that you could see the work that's gone in to the set plays. You know, in the time that they've been back out in training, it was well worked. I loved the blockers. You know, to then create that space for Connor Wickham to run in into, and it was a terrific header. And, and Connor Wickham is starting now. I think to show the sort of form that we saw in his last loan spell at Wednesday, he just looks a different animal, a different prospect now, uh, and has really stepped up and more than filled the you know the sort of void that was left by Stephen Fletcher. 
Yeah, well, Connor Wickham's on my list of people to talk about, really, because we 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 talked we talked about him a little bit last week, but we'd only seen one game, and that's not enough to start kind of forming opinions, really. But we touched on the fact that you know he he looks different, and I mean physically, you know, he looks like he's in better shape. He looks sharp. He looks like he's. Um, probably more confident in himself in terms of his fitness now and and, and that probably makes us realize that we um before the lockdown probably never saw probably even close to a fully fit Connor Wickham um and and the player that we're seeing now is really different you know that that header is just the kind of goal that you expect someone like Connor Wickham to score and we're jumping around a little bit here but he had he had two or three shots in the game last night against West Brom which were uh which were blocked but were the kind of things whereby you know on the edge of the box he just gets sight of goal and that you know incredibly long leg kind of comes back and you just see him strike the ball and you know obviously it didn't quite happen for him but he's he's kind of playing with that little bit of confidence that little bit of swagger about him at the moment that if he gets sight of goal he's going to have a pop it's amazing what a goal does, doesn't it, James? I think it's completely lifted his all-round game. It's the switches in play. I think some of his touches against West Brom in the first half uh, was so silky. I thought he was unplayable. Uh, and yeah, he was a real handful up there. Big, strong, powerful, mobile. Yeah, everything about him. Uh, you know, He looks like he's got fire in his belly. Now, you know, he looks like uh, he's a man sort of on a mission to sort of make up for that lost time. We know all about the injury problems he's had, how long he, you know, he was out of the game for uh, and how he's not got the minutes that he would have loved at Palace. So it's been very frustrating for him. Uh, and this is it. He's putting himself in the shop window, isn't he? You know, that's what he's doing. And, and, and I suppose the, the danger for Wednesday is the more goals he scores, then the chances are he's going to actually price himself out of coming back to Hillsborough next season. But we are jumping ahead and maybe getting ahead of ourselves. He's still got to finish the last six matches of this campaign strongly uh, before those sort of discussions can be had. Uh, and let's not forget, he's also on massive wages, big wages, Premier League wages at Crystal Palace. Uh, so, yeah, it's one of them, really, that um, Wednesday have to uh, enjoy having Conor Wickham while they have got him. I, I know a lot of this is just down to circumstances, but can you remember this season, um, particularly thinking under Gary Monkey, the last time that Wednesday have started the same front two for three games in a row? Because I, I just can't. I'm not even sure if we've actually played with a front do for for three games in a row because we've swapped and changed systems that much that there's just not been the opportunity and injuries have played a part in that as well. Well, I've got a feeling to interrupt James. I think it might have been before Christmas with Jordan Rhodes and Stephen Fletcher around the time of when Rhodes got a hat trick. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's probably the last time that he's gone with the same front two. Uh, and I actually did half expect uh, that uh, Alessio de Cruz, who I, I thought in the first two matches was really bright when he came off the bench and definitely made an impact. I thought de Cruz was in line to start uh, against West Brom and that uh, with one eye on Swansea that Gary Monk might leave out Jordan Rhodes, um, who I didn't think was as effective against Bristol City. Um and I don't really think we've seen, I would say, a big development in a partnership between 
Rhodes and Wickham, it does almost feel to me like Wednesday know they've got Jordan Rhodes on their books until next summer. And Gary Monk is desperately trying to play him into some sort of form. And so he's giving him an extended run in the team. But he needs a goal, undoubtedly. Um, He was completely shackled by Higazi and Bartley. West Brom, uh, you know, he didn't get a kick, not not sniff a goal, and he was dropping too deep for me. Um, and so Rhodes has to stay down the middle. He, he we, we, you don't want Jordan Rhodes forty yards away from goal or trying to link play uh, when that's not his real strength. His strength is in the box. That's what we've seen. And so, yeah, I, with Jordan Rhodes, it, it's it's the usual, isn't it? of where if he gets one, or oh, maybe this could be the start, maybe a go on a run. Uh, we we have been saying that for three years. That's, yeah, that's all I'll say. You know, and, and nothing has changed. But Wednesday have got him till next summer. So Gary Monk is trying to work with him and trying to solve the Jordan Rhodes conundrum. There's a point in the not-too-distant past where a front two of Connor Wickham and Jordan Rhodes would be enough for most championship football fans to wet themselves. Like, I mean, that would be, on paper, a fairly stunning front two. I think we're probably maybe just like two or three years late with it, but we never know. You know, I I've, I've, I, I hope that Gary Monk sticks with it because um, you, you say, I know we're jumping ahead to West Brom here, you say um, uh, that, that Jordan Rhodes didn't have a sniff of goal. Well, he did do quite early on, didn't he? He did have that, that kind of, that half chance, that shot that went wide that, you know, it's the kind of thing that when you've got Jordan Rhodes in form and he's got a little bit of luck going in his favour, that could find the back of the net. So um, I, I, I kind of, I've got, I, I feel like I've been saying this for the last three years as well. I've kind of got everything crossed for, for Jordan Rhodes that things start falling into place for him. But, you know, you're right that we've kind of been saying this stuff for a long time. Um, another moment that that really stands out, which was in the um, second half, uh, the, the block slash tackle from um, Liam Palmer, where it looked, you know, almost certain that Bristol City were going to find themselves in a in a scoring position. Um and that was that was an amazing moment from from Liam Palmer. And you know, he obviously you, you wouldn't class him as being a natural centre back. Um, you know, we'd we'd kind of talked um not not long ago about kind of who we've got that can play there and you know he was quite low down on the list, but he seems to be kind of thriving in it. He is on this podcast, James, we've now been doing it for the best part of 18 months. Uh, and mm. I actually can't really remember many times where we've discussed Liam Palmer ever at length, really. He is, uh, uh, you know, he has been a great servant to Wednesday uh, and he has come through the ranks. And that was his 300th career appearance uh, on Sunday. Wow. And, um, you, you've got to sort of take your, your hat off to him. He has now, apart from up front, he's played in every position for Sheffield Wednesday. He must have done, um, you know, in his time. And um, he is just a great team player. There will be his critics out there who say he's limited or sometimes his positional sense and concentration levels aren't always there. And I do get that. But then the adaptability of him, uh, and he's not the type that when he's not playing, he'd go into the manager's office and moan and complain and whinge. He gets on with his job. Uh, and in the last three matches, 
he has, I think, acquitted himself really well at centre half, and and he, I, I think you know you've got to applaud him really that Liam Palmer gets on with the job. That's what he does, uh, and he is a reliable performer for Wednesday, uh, uh, and it's one of them where I think if you know, we all, I think Liam Palmer, you know, he, he's already got. He's up to testimonial time now. He'd be due one at Sheffield Wednesday. <laughs> and, so, and he'd probably be thinking that, you know, he'd spend the, the whole of his career at Sheffield Wednesday. You know, as a Wednesday night, he'd be happy to do that. Um, but it might be one of them where if Palmer w- was to leave at some point in the future, that I think Wednesday fans maybe would appreciate him more or understand that actually they have just, they've just lost a guy who's given everything to this club for years and years and um, and played wherever a manager has asked him to play. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think we have talked about him a bit because um, the around the time that he was kind of, you know, shifted from one side of the pitch to the other uh, and we were surprised actually at how well that, that works. And I think that coincided with him then getting called up for Scotland. Um, and I seem to remember that we were once doing a podcast while Scotland were playing um, and we reflected on that a little bit, but I think they were 3-0 down at half time to some really, you know, a, quite a bad country to lose to. So we, uh, we didn't talk about it too much after after that um so we've de- it's definitely someone that we've talked about a bit but you you're right in terms of the fact that probably the last 12 months there's been you know so many players that have come and gone and so much that's changed and Liam Palmer has kind of just got on with doing what he does um without those kind of you know slightly iffy games that he used to to have where you know sometimes it just looked like he just doesn't really know what he's doing and and, and that side of his game is he's, he's, he's totally ironed out and he's a really consistent performer now which is uh, which is brilliant really and there's been so much talk about about Morgan Fox over the last couple of weeks that that you write in terms of you know Liam Palmer deserves that um, deserves that applause and you know that 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 clearance in the second half against um, Bristol City for me as good as scoring a goal at the other end I think that you know it's it's the kind of thing that if that goes in it's a very different looking um, game so James uh, full, full we, we should, to him. you mentioned Morgan Fox then we should talk about him how did you feel about Morgan Fox coming on at half time. Uh, and being involved at Bristol. Well, I mean, look, I, I so I don't know if I oversimplify this, but there's people going, "Oh, it's brilliant that he came on and did this and stuff." The other, look, whilever he's been paid by Sheffield Wednesday, he should be prepared to play football for Sheffield Wednesday. If if one of us leaves our job, then we don't just say, "Look, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna work my notice period because um, you know I, I I don't want to tie myself out, so I'm not gonna come in for my last day. I'm just gonna stay at home, but you still got to pay me." Like, of course, if if he's chosen to to go on the bench and chosen to come on, then he's he's doing his job. Fair play to him, the fact that he just got on with it. But I I don't kind of uh, some people seemed like really like oh that's so, it's so brave of him and it's so it's so great of him it's like he's literally doing his job very matter of fact there no messing around from james today uh, yeah a lot of people i think would absolutely 100% agree with you um but he could mentally maybe have not been in the right place uh, and wednesday needed him to come on and perform when you look at defensively when burner went off I'm just sort of slightly playing devil's advocate. Uh, at least Morgan Fox made himself available to be involved at Bristol and Forest. Stephen Fletcher, slightly different case. Would have been interesting to see what would have happened with Stephen Fletcher at Bristol if he'd been fit, but assuming yeah. he had the hamstring injury. I, I, knowing Stephen Fletcher a little bit from down the years and what he's like as a character, I think he probably would have played and, and featured but then yeah of course Fernando Forestieri 
you know, Gary Monk made his feelings pretty clear. And so Fernando Forcieri, yeah, they, they, they as a sort of option from off the bench, yeah, um, would have maybe been handy to have had that day. But yeah, I, I, I still think that when you consider that Morgan Fox is a left back uh, and has maybe played a few times as a left wing back for Wednesday, I still think you have to give him credit for coming on and doing a job as a left-sided centre-back in a three-man defence. So I think you do have to acknowledge that. And for him yeah. to sign off, really, his Sheffield Wednesday career with a win. So, uh, yeah, that re- I know it's something that really divided Wednesday fans, uh, him being involved or not, and you know, whether it was the right call by Gary Monk. Uh, but it, the proof was in the pudding as he came, on, as he came yeah. on and he did a good job for the team and that's what he's done this season. Just to add as well, and, and this this applies very much to Stephen Fletcher. I, I mean, let's talk about Fernando Forestieri later on because I feel like there's there's, there's different circumstances there. But um, with with both Morgan Fox and Stephen Fletcher, some of the stuff I've seen fans kind of saying on some social media and stuff about the fact, oh, you know, get rid of the dead to us now, get rid of them, they're disrespectful, and this, that, the other. This is football, and and you know, players players arrive at clubs and players leave clubs and. I don't think that you know any of us should be offended by either of those players taking the decision not to sign a new contract. And you know, we we've kind of touched on the fact before that this weird situation in football right now, there's, there's actually every chance that either one of them, or possibly even both of them, could still end up being a Sheffield Wednesday player next season. You know, it's it's there's there's so many variables in the equation right now that it's quite hard for them, and I'm sure that their agents will be in their ear telling them that it'd be quite foolish for them to be kind of committing any sort of future to Sheffield Wednesday at the moment because of everything that's going on. But like fans sort of, you know, saying that, that as soon as they decided they were going to, that's it, just, you know, sack them, get them out of the club. Um, the, some of the names that have been, um, uh, leveled at them is it, just, it's just really, really insane. And, um, you know, I think a, a, any, any player when they, when they leave, you know, they will have done a job for your, club in that time they've earned their money and they've done what they've done in 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 um in, in kind of reply to that and there are exceptions to that and we've yeah. we've talked about some some of the players that left last summer that never really kind of did anything in a Wednesday um shirt for whatever reason but you know they're both players that have put in some great shifts and and you know had um notable careers at, at Wednesday um and and I just think it's really sad that that some fans have reacted in the way that they have done to the two of them um leaving so for anyone to sort of say that Morgan Fox shouldn't have been involved because of the fact that he decided to leave is just ridiculous you know he's a football player he should he should play football I've said it before James that I, I think with the unprecedented times the impact of coronavirus that um, yeah, the, the, these guys are thinking of their careers, and, and it, it it comes down to you know Morgan Fox actually took a risk by playing on Sunday because imagine if he had got a serious injury, that would have then scuppered his next move, or potentially in, at the end of the season looking to sign it or you know a deal with Wednesday. I, I think um, from what I'm hearing, I think it is unlikely, uh, and from speaking to Gary Monk, the message seems to be that I think they think it's all over with Stephen Fletcher and Morgan Fox uh, and that we have seen the last of them in a Wednesday shirt. I'd love to I'd love to be proven wrong. I'd I'd like to see them back and I think they are the types of characters and the way that they performed and the ability they've got. I think they're the sort of players that you want to see Wednesday move forward with. But then 
counter-argument is, of course, that Gary Monk, and, and he's right for this, that we need younger, hungrier, and more dynamic players. And that's yeah. going to be at the top of the agenda. So you've got Stephen Fletcher, who's at 33 in the twilight of his career, question mark over, could he replicate this season again? And, and you, let's face it, Stephen Fletcher's not going to sign on for one year. He'd want a minimum of two years with Sheffield Wednesday. And mm. Stephen Fletcher and Morgan Fox, certainly Stephen Fletcher, you're talking maybe reduced terms. You know, that, that's what they'd have to maybe be you know, looking at and thinking, well, can we get a better offer elsewhere? And the way that they've both performed, yeah, I know for a fact, there are clubs already looking at them and eyeing up and are interested in them for next season in the Championship. And then the one last thing, of course, is in the background, what have we still got? The EFL charge. So we don't yeah. know what division Sheffield Wednesday are going to be in next season. So players are delaying making decisions on their future until that is resolved. Yeah, which you know, we're, we're as as Wednesday fans, we're biased on it. But you know, if you try and look at it clearly, you've got to say, well, fair dues, because it is such a massive thing, and and we have absolutely no idea what way it's going to go, um, and what effect it could have on Sheffield Wednesday's um season. Uh, just to mention as well, um, bit of humour from Gary Monk in his post match talking about trying to convince Morgan Fox on the uh, coach on the way back to uh, to sign on. Hope he stayed, you know, at least two meters away from him when he tried to do that. Um, um, but uh, no, nice to see Gary Monk even cracking the jokes out, which is not something we see very often. Um, one other thing that I want to talk about off the back of the Bristol City game, um, which I'm going to talk about here rather than waiting until after the West Brom game because that was such a different, um, well, different result, but but you know, very different game as well. Which is um, again something that's kind of cropped up with a few fans talking about this, which is this this sort of feeling about team spirit and a togetherness that we saw probably in those first two games and a little bit of character from the team that has been lacking a bit and this suggestion that maybe and I'm not singling anyone out here but for whatever reason maybe with one or two people out of the picture that's actually allowed Gary Monk to start to build the kind of squad that he really wants and you know perhaps kind of make it a a more kind of close-knit squad we'd bemoaned a few times about the fact that Wednesday's um, squad has generally been quite large. It's been quite bloated for quite a long time. And obviously, the more people in the squad, the more little factions of that you get. It's a very different picture now. And that squad has shrunk quite considerably, hasn't it, over the last um, few weeks and, and months. So are we are we starting to see a little bit, do you think, of what Gary Monk is really trying to achieve at Wednesday and what he wants from his ultimate squad moving forward? Not really. I mean, it's, it's way too early uh, uh, right now. The, the bottom line is that the players whose contracts were up at the end of the season, the identity of the ones who were leaving, we we knew about. And so the, the clear out has begun. Uh, and so no great surprises with Sam Hutchinson and Sam Winnell leaving last week. Uh, um, disappointing on Fletcher and Fox. Forestieri, I don't think, again, major shocks there. It's big saving off the wage bill. But, in terms of recruitment, Gary Monk has had the one window to work with so far and has signed three loan players. He hasn't been given a proper chance yet to actually assemble a squad here that is then capable of challenging at the top end of the table. Um, and I think what's interesting is Monk has uh, sort of made it very clear that 
he's trying to lower expectations. And I think he's right to do that. Um, when you look at Wednesday, experienced players leaving, that wage bill's coming down. And the word he's starting to use a lot, actually, that I think maybe is becoming one of his new buzzwords, is transition. And that is what this club are in. And we've said it for some time, haven't we, on this pod, James? And so it's going to take time. Uh, and we know there is not a lot of patience in football. But mm-hmm. I, I, you know, Wednesday, I've said it before, and I'm going to repeat myself, uh, as I'm good at doing that, but when they need stability, they need uh, the managerial upheaval since Carlos Carvalho, it's, it, I'm not going to say it's got out of control. Some of it has been out of uh, sort of Wednesday's jurisdiction, but they need a manager there who's going to be 18 months beyond to, to actually create and build something. When you look at how Fred Baird, the squad is in certain areas, he's got to be then given the tools to strengthen, improve and make Wednesday better. Uh, and good coaching is going to be important. And we we sort of saw that with Fox that I think Gary Monk does have to take a lot of credit for the improvement in Morgan Fox. And then there's certain other individuals you could maybe argue. Again, he's helped. He, he's, I think he's done uh, you know, a great job with your favourite player, Jacob Murphy, this year, who I think continues to shine in whatever position he plays. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of work to be done. There's a big rebuilding job. It's it, nothing's changed for me there, James. See, I, I think I think we are seeing and uh, starting to see with with the players that Gary Monks kept, the players obviously that Wednesday have released, and none of them were a shock. But I think we're starting to see that he wants to build a team with a certain sort of mentality and um, a, a certain sort of spirit that this kind of, you know, we, we'd bemoan the fact that Wednesday have good players, but it wouldn't take much for this Wednesday team to fall to bits. And, and it has a, you know, it's always had a, a collapse in it. It may still do, but I think from what we've seen over the last couple of games that we're getting an idea that, that Gary Monk, you know, wants quite a close knit squad. He wants a squad where everyone fights for each other, um, where there is that team spirit, there and that's probably going to mean that it's not necessarily the players with the most natural ability are the ones that he's going to favour and, and and actually you know we've seen this right throughout his time at, at Wednesday and um, I I feel like I've started to see a little bit of a picture forming about actually where Gary Monk wants to take it no idea who the players will be because there's a lot of you know transition um, that's still to to come but I've I've got a feeling that we're just starting to get a little bit of a of a peek into. Uh, the kind of squad that Gary Monk wants, but you know we can agree to disagree on that because that's something that we're good at. We're good at doing. Um, let's move on to um, West Brom then, because obviously a very different game on uh, on on Wednesday night. As we as we record this, it was uh, a matter of hours ago. It was last night. Um, now I, you know, kind of having slept on this, looking back at it, I don't think Wednesday played particularly bad, but I think West Brom were just super super clinical. Oh, yeah, no, they were. Um, and West Brom taught Wednesday a lesson in in finishing or taking your chances or scoring when you're on top. And I thought Wednesday in, in that opening half an hour, they were the better side uh, without creating many clear-cut chances. That's, I, I think it was that final ball and that was what Gary Monk was 
ruin really afterwards that it was the decision making and the end products in the final third it wasn't there and it and it has to be on point especially when you play the top teams you have to bear in mind James that right West Brom a second and the second for a reason and they're fighting for the title and they've lost six games six games out of 40 this season it was going to be a tall order if Wednesday had a full squad and had a, yeah. a full fit defence, but they didn't. You know, they had a Fred Bear patched up team, uh, and West Brom had two extra days to rest and recover. So I think there's a lot of mitigating circumstances. Fair play to Gary Monk for not using them as an excuse. So um, Wednesday, I thought they gave a good account of themselves. Um, the turning point was the penalty, and uh, I don't like singling players out, but. Four penalties that Moses Odebaggio now has given away in 18 league appearances. It does beg the question, when will the penny drop? And, and it, he, his body shape, uh, he got completely the wrong side of um, the West Brom defender O'Shea. Um, and he, he just blatantly pulled him back uh, and he didn't need to. Uh, I'd rather have he just given him a clear run to get the header on. He's no guarantee to have scored from that angle. Mm. But just naive and uh, daft piece of defending, he nearly got away with it as the ref wasn't going to give it. The Winesman was the one who gave it. But Mozart de Baggio, 26, I've written about this today, and he's played over 250 matches in his career. Uh, you know, he, he was making all the right noises about coming back and uh, and making a big impact uh, at Sheffield Wednesday after the break and wanting to get his career started. Um, and then he's cost his team. He's cost his team. That goal was a turning point. If Wednesday score first, I think Wednesday get a result. But West Brom score. And then West Brom, who were nervous, they were edgy, they then took over. And and then in the second half, not just Odobaggio, it has to be said, but yeah, you do have to say he was playing out position, and I thought he started the game quite well. Let's let's do that for balance. He 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 hadn't made a mistake up to the penalty, but then if you look at the second goal, the goals you know the cross has come in too easily, but um, Pereira has just got in between Dominic Iorfa and Odebajo. Uh, and Jacob Murphy's not stayed with him. So defensively there, that's where Gary Monk will look that, yeah, there's, there'd be some big improvements to be made. But yeah, just a very disappointing again uh, for Modabaggio in that it's not going to help him win over his many critics. Another performance. Well, I mean, you, like you, 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 you full well know that I've been one of his biggest critics and um, I... We, we saw two very different sides, didn't we, to Odebaggio last night? Because if you take away the mistakes that he made, and that's very easy to say, isn't it? But let's ignore those. Um, you know, he looked confident on the ball. He actually looked really useful bringing the ball out of defence. He made, uh, they didn't quite come off, but he made some really good runs. And, you know, he got himself into some really useful positions. Um, and at times, you know, defensively, he actually looked quite assured. But there's this massive problem with any player that can do that for 80 minutes of a game, but then just completely lose their man. You know, you can't afford to do that when you're uh, 
defender. You know, you, you have to have that concentration throughout. And, and Odebaggio certainly gave away one goal. You can argue that he was responsible for a second goal. Um, and you, you can't write this down. You can't write it off as a one-off either because we've seen it time and time again that this thing where he just gets the wrong side of his man or a lapse in concentration and then he's got this reckless side to him where he just seems, I don't know if he just thinks he's going to get away with it or something or thinks it's worth it, but to give away four penalties in a season, including two in one match, is... He's kind of unforgivable, really. You know, he's a defender that has real issues defending at times. And that means that he is a liability. And I cannot see how he can play a role in this squad moving forward. Now, look, you know, we've talked about the effect that Gary Monk's had on players like Liam Palmer and Morgan Fox. And I'm sure that he's thinking, look, I can get something out of this guy. I can turn it round. There has to be a point where we've just got to we've just got to say, look, it's not going to work out because for whatever reason, something's happened in this player that's meant, you know, he's different to what he was a few years ago and he's going to cost you goals. Can you play a defender who keeps costing you goals? The answer, I think, is no. I want defenders who can defend first and foremost, James. And right now, Moses Odebajo is, is not showing the signs that he can do that job. <laughs> and and uh, he could have cost the team again in the second half when he slipped over in the box and they've had the shot that was saved by Wildsmith. Um, and I don't want to hammer him in that, um, you know, I think that his story and, and the way that, you know, he's come back and he's had to go through an awful lot. That injury, I, I think up to that serious injury, the guy was, I think, maybe destined to play for years in the Premier League. But right now, uh, his form and, and the way things have gone so far Wednesday, we know how close he came to leaving the club in January when Gary Monk said that he could go out on loan, but he said, no, I want to stay, I want to fight for my place. And I like that. You know, that shows personality and that shows fight and that he wants to prove people wrong that's great and all um but i want him to cut out the mistakes that's what i want really and and i you know i am I, we're all desperate for moses odobajo to play like he did when he was at hull when he looked a top top player um and was one of the i remember him being one of the best players when wednesday played them in that playoff final he was outstanding that day just great um, but injuries, everything that's gone on for him over the last few years, um, it, it, right now it's not working out for him at Wednesday. Uh, and he was needs must. Let's not forget that. He was needs must. Wednesday, that was the most makeshift three-man defence uh, that Wednesday will have fielded in a very, very long time. When you've got yep. Tom, Tom Lee's hamstring injury, down to play the day before, but picks up the injury, sent for scan. Okay, it's come back all clear. Wednesday still didn't want to take any precautions. Understandable. Then it emerges as Azazi Urigidi. He's got a knee injury. He's out for a couple of weeks. That's why he was nowhere to be seen on the bench. Julian Berner hadn't recovered from the dead leg. So three players who, let's face it, would have been ahead of Moses Odebajo in the pecking order to play at centre-half weren't available to Gary Monk. So Gary Monk did the right thing in playing the three-man defence again not changing formation, um, but that's what he was left with. So I think, you know, you do have to feel a bit sorry for Gary Monk, really, that the depleted defensive resources uh, in the second half, I thought West Brom were brilliant. I don't know about you, James, but I, I thought West Brom's second half, 
they really cranked it up the gears and the freshness they had and the quality on the bench, yeah. the strength and depth, they made that, you know, told. I thought Grzycki and Callum Robinson, yeah, ran them ragged, ran them ragged defensively. Yeah, I agree with all that. I think that there was a gulf in terms of quality, definitely. And I think uh, West Brom are a team that uh, they're very good and they're kind of effortlessly quite good. You know, Wednesday barely had a shot on target, but we did actually have opportunities. But West Brom were just blocking everything. They were playing so tight to to their men and, and, and that really showed in terms of we were really kept to half chances for the majority of the game. In the second half, it became, you know, it was shots from outside the box um, and, and most of them didn't even kind of get anywhere anywhere near the net because they, they were blocked out and um you know that that was kind of you know defensively there was a bit of a masterclass there from from West Brom about how to defend uh, at this level and um, you're right in terms of we've got to cut Wednesday a little bit of slack here I mean 12 months ago you'd have looked at that team sheet and said that there's not one recognized center half in there because I don't think we'd really appreciate that Dominic Iorfa was going to you know make that his position um and so you know you you would have if, if, if you'd have looked at that team sheet 12 months ago you'd have been very very confused about what on earth's going on here you know how is, how is this possibly a, a team so we, we have got to bear that in mind having said all that you know it, it, they've got to learn from 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 that and you know hopefully it, that's a back three that we hopefully don't have to play again you know if there's players that have got very slight injuries who are back in in time for the game on Sunday that situation doesn't come round because it it did look like um in the end you kind of say well actually we probably did quite well to keep it at three because there were opportunities where it could have become one of those really sort of embarrassing scores that we've seen this season and probably undeserved because I don't think that Wednesday's performance was actually that bad but defensively, we look. We just looked very, very, very kind of you know on the rocks in the in the second half, and um, uh, and in the end, I was quite glad when when full time came around. Um, all right, cool. Um, let's hear a bit then from um, Gary Monk, and let's get his thoughts ahead of this weekend. Yeah, Julian. Um, as I said, you know that game against um, on Wednesday was a little bit too soon for him, but um, should be fully recovering and back in. Um, training today, trained yesterday, so no problems in, in training today. So it should be available for the weekend. Um, the other injuries which I mentioned, Josh should be um, hopefully with us at some point um, next week. And then obviously Ozazi is, is slightly um, going to be a little bit longer. Made of Swansea season as a whole? Yeah, look, I think they're the same as quite a lot of teams. Uh, probably they started exceptionally well and then as the championship is, championship is tough. You know, the consistency is what we all, is probably the buzzword that we're all fighting for. I think like a lot of teams, maybe that consistency levels haven't been as high as they would have liked, but they're still in a really good position, a healthy position. They'll be thinking, mm. you know, they have an opportunity to, to maybe try and get into that playoff or that last playoff space. Um, so they'll be gunning for that and we're trying to, accumulate and finish high at the table as we can um, and look after our own things. So um, I think it's the same for a lot of teams. You know, you're all fighting for that consistency. It's very difficult to do it in the championship. But the, the reason why mm. you are where you are is when it's your consistency level. So we're all fighting for that. If you can be consistent, you've got a good chance of being higher up in the league. So we just want to try and finish these games, you know, with some consistency. And that's what we need to, not only for now, but like I said, to try and make sure that we can take that into next season because it's going to be a short turnaround. So using this period really to improve certain mm. things and play against sides that are in those positions above us to go and really you know, tough test for ourselves. I think that's what we want to try and prove in these games to take that forward into next season. 
how impressed have you been with Connor Wickham and his performances in the three games? Yeah, I said it along. I think we're seeing now, you know, a good glimpse of of what Connor's capable of. I knew that bringing him in in here. I also knew, which I've said again before, um, you know, not having played a lot of football in that period when I brought him in, um, I knew it was going to take a little bit of time to get him up to match fitness and sharpness. And um, and now he is. You know, I think you can see the the capabilities of him, and that's important for us. It's going to be important in these last games as well, especially. And, um, as tough as it is, you know, we're going to ask him to play probably as much football as he's played in the last couple of years in a real short space of time. So, um, yeah, but we, we're trying to work in a way where we can recover players, keep them as fresh as we can. And, and uh, But he's contributing brilliantly, performing brilliant. Um, very pleased with him. And, and um, yeah, we should, we're seeing what he's capable of right at this moment. If there was an opportunity to bring him back next season, how much would you like to take that chance, Gary? Yeah, of course. You know, there wasn't the opportunity was there, but um, we have to cross those bridges, even if that's possible. You know, when we come to him right now, we're just focusing on the games. You know, they're coming thick and fast. We can't. You know, I've got obviously as a manager, you've got one eye on the future as well, and having those conversations with the club, and and we'll see when those bridges are crossed. But of course, you know, if there was an opportunity to bring back Connor, mm. um, of course, I would like to do that. But we have to see, you know, when we cross that bridge or if we cross that bridge, even if that's a possibility, there's a lot of things, factors that go into that in terms of if we're capable of doing that or not. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see you know, going forward. Did you think the more goals he scores and the better he does for you might make it harder? <laughs> Probably. That's how football works. Um, but you don't want to tell your striker not to score goals. Right, so another big week ahead then for Wednesday. It starts with um, uh, another nice, easy, short um, away trip. Uh, I can say this because as fans, we don't need to feel remotely guilty for the fact that we're not going because we can't. Um, so it means that uh, it's just you lot that have got to do it. So Swansea on uh, Sunday, making a weekend of it in uh, in in in, uh, in South Wales. Uh, yeah, hopefully, James. Yeah, you enjoy it. Watch it on telly, mate. Yeah, I'm very jealous of you for that. <laughs> um, yeah, nice uh, eight-hour round trip uh, to look forward to. Um, and I suppose, really, it's it's what team Wednesday will pick will be fascinating after uh, another busy week. Um, I think Gary Monk will rotate. Um, we're crossing our fingers um, that Julian Berner will be fit. So he would replace Mozart Baggio. I wouldn't have thought that they'd make any other changes to the back five. You, you look at Jacob Murphy and Kadeem Harris, you know, they are two of the fittest players, arguably, in Wednesday's squad. Uh, and the way they were still getting up and down right to the very end um, last night, uh, yeah, I, I would uh, think that. Um, there be no changes other than Burner, uh, but then midfield, um, Kieran Lee. Uh, it, it was the comments that Gary Monk uh, said after West Brom was that he was sort of managing his workload, uh, and, and I did expect really Kieran Lee would drop out. I, I thought that he wouldn't yeah. want to play Kieran Lee um, three matches in a row in a week um, with his with his injury problems that you know well documented from the past. Um, but does Kieran Lee return? Uh, I didn't really feel that Adam Reach stepped up um, in midfield uh, and did enough to keep his place. Um, yeah. You could move Adam Reach to wing back to the left side instead of Kadeem Harris, but I, I, I don't think I would. 
Um, I, I don't think I, there's I, any justification for doing that. Yeah. Is that Kareem Harris has looked? Um, I think he looks. He looks a lot sharper. I think he's. You know, he's the kind of player that. I think I think a goal would do Kadeem Harris the world of good. You could say this about pretty much anyone in the team, couldn't you? But um, you know, he 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 was so unlucky, you know, against West Brom, hitting the post in the second half on another day, you know, just an inch to the left, and and that you know rebounds off the post, nestles in the back of the net, and and you know Wednesday are back in the game, and, it, and it's all looking very different. So um, I, I've I've quite I've quite liked what I've seen of Kadeem Harris. Now he looks f- kind of freshened up for it again. Yeah, he does. Uh, I've said it last week, I think, and I'll say it again. I think Alex Hunt um, has to be very close to the championship start, uh, and I think it, it it's around the corner. I think it's. It, I don't know if Swansea is necessarily the <laughs> is the one, uh, but I do think that yeah, he will get that before the end of the season. Uh, it, it's midfield really, where like it's just how, how many changes will he make, um, and then it will be about up front. Do you continue to persevere with Jordan Rhodes or do you turn to Atinu and Alessio de Cruz? Doesn't sound as if Josh Windass, I think it's going to come too soon. Uh, it's Swansea for him. So there's not going to really be any change and you're going to have, I think, another sort of youthful looking bench. We'll see if Tom Lees is fit and is going to be okay. They'll be crossing the fingers on that. Another defensive option. When's they going to need for this yeah. running? Um, so. Yeah, let's hope so for uh, with that one. But um, yeah, I mean, Swansea have had a sort of mixed start. Brewster's um, hit a bit of form. He's the big danger man. Um, and AU, I think, has has done has had a really good season for them. They've got some good individuals. They're running out of time to get into the playoffs. Um, we all know what happened last time Wednesday went to Swansea. So let's hope for a different result. <laughs> yeah. Um... What was I going to say? How how many times have we sat here on this podcast and said, Alex Hunt has to be close to getting his first start. I, I, I honestly think that Gary Monk probably listens to the podcast just to see whether or not, if them two predict it, I'm not going to play him. So next week, if, if he doesn't start either against uh, Swansea or against Preston next week, let's just not mention it. Let's not I mention think, Alex I, Hunt. I think, no, no, James, you're going about it wrong. It needs to be the new Hutch bingo. <laughs> What as to whether Alex Hunt is going to start? Yeah. How close is Alex Hunt starting? Yeah, you know we're going to has- hashtag. We'll get it trending. Let's do All that. Right. I might, I might call the episode that. How close is Alex Hunt to starting? Um, yeah, we didn't see very much of him, did he? He came on yeah. and you know didn't didn't really do a, a lot. But we you know we've we've seen these cameos from him in the game so far, and um, he he always looks assured. And I think it, it's exaggerated by the fact that he looks so young. He just looks like there's no way this guy can possibly be ready to be a professional footballer. Uh, and yet, you know, he's kind of got. He seems to have the brain and certainly the legs of someone you know far in advance of of his years. So um, I. I'd love to see him start a game. I think it would be great to see what he can do given a full 90 minutes. There's always, and we've said this before, there's that risk, isn't it? If it comes in a game where things do fall to bits a bit, does it set his progress back a bit? But, you know, you can say that forever, can't you? And at some point, you know, we we are he's going to be a major part of this team next season unless, you know, miraculously we manage to bring in, um, you know, several several great midfield players. We know it's an area where, you know, he's going to get his chances. And, you know, right now it feels like it, it's a good opportunity to bring him in. Um, we, We're going to be in the position for a while where we've got, 
um, weekend and then weekday games. So Sunday against um, Swansea, then at home to Preston on um, Wednesday. Preston, another team that have had a bit of a topsy-turvy season. It's been up, it's been down. You know, the, the, there's times where it's looked like they could be a promotion favourite and then they've kind of dropped away a little bit and it's been a weird season for them. It's never easy playing Preston though, is it? And we, generally speaking, we don't have the best record against them. Well, uh, uh, Hillsborough, I think they've done pretty well in recent years, actually, James, uh, against Preston. It's, it's been a deep there where they have that wretched record. It's just true. Um, uh, but yeah, Preston, another team that um, have got lots to play for, that, that you know they are still well and truly in the hunt for that sort of sixth spot that uh, I think is the one that's really left open in the playoffs. Uh, and Daniel Johnson... Goal-scoring threat for midfield. They've got Maguire up front, who I, I like, I rate him. Um, here, stretch Wednesday's defence. He, he, on his day, he can cause problems. They've got good individuals, Preston, a very underrated manager too uh, in Alex Neal. Uh, and they'll be well-drilled. Uh, and, and Wednesday, I tell you... <laughs> I don't. I, I don't want to be doomhousing on the podcast, um, but I will be uh, with this one. You can't get past um, that Wednesday are the lowest scorers at home in the championship this season. Seventeen goals in twenty matches. It's it's a problem. We have gone back in time to the Stuart Gray days, um, it, it, and I think you know six of the twenty matches Wednesday failed to score. With the players they've got, it's not good enough. But And we saw it at West Brom that the reality is the shots and the, the attempts that they had on target a goal, you take out Kadeem Harris hitting the post, uh, the Jacob Murphy shot late on, and then a Kadeem Harris effort, I think, in the first half. That was it. So not enough shots on target. They're not peppering the goal. They're not working goalkeepers enough and that's been a common theme throughout the season uh, so yeah with or without fans Wednesday aren't scoring enough goals at home we talked about whether or not it might suit Wednesday to play at Hillsborough without fans but um, I mean we scored one in two games we've conceded four at home it's uh, you talk about it's like the Stuart Gray days the difference being that we were quite defensively resolute in the Stuart Gray days there were a lot of nil-nil games um, and you know the odd one-nil win and and what we're kind of seeing is we're not scoring very many at home but we're kind of shipping a lot in I'd be surprised if there's many teams that have conceded as many at home as uh, as Wednesday have this season so the I mean the home form is just just shocking isn't it and that's something we've got to we've got to sort out yeah one last thing though to balance that James only Manchester City have scored more league goals on the travels than Wednesday Wednesday. Yeah, so it, it, it's unbelievable, really, isn't it? That um, it, Wednesday, I mean, they picked up two more points at home than they have away, but then yet, yeah, yeah, the better performances have arguably, yeah, they've come on the road and they have given a couple of teams some tonkings, uh, and they have scored what thirty-two goals or something away from home. So it, it's a real sort of anomaly, really. So we've got one other kind of news story that's been knocking around this week, which is um, this situation regarding some players' wages not being paid. I, I've only very briefly kind of looked at this. Just, just kind of bring me up to speed, if you would do, Dom. What's, what's this? What's the situation with this? So some players in Wednesday's squad. It's important to say some, not all. Um, they've not been paid 
their wages, their bonuses in full for June. The worrying aspect for me on this story is that it's actually the second time in seven months that we've heard something along these lines. Now, Gary Monk was very quick after West Brom to sort of uh, play it down and draw a line under it and said that the, everyone in the squad, the, the you know, in the club, um, they know what the situation is. They And I've been told that in the next couple of weeks, Wednesday expect, you know, all the players to get paid their outstanding money and to get paid what they're due. Uh, but maybe I, I think that's not the point. I think... and. and it was the timing too of this story that after two good performances, Forest and Bristol City, we're trying to get that positivity, aren't we, uh, back here at the club and get things going in the right direction. And then this is another. This is a negative, and you've got some people out there saying it's a non-story. It's not a non-story if players are not getting paid on time. Of course, it's a story. You can't ignore that. That's a you know if, if where you know if that's happening to you in your profession, James and me, you're not happy about it, or you're concerned, you're worried about your livelihood, how you're going to pay your bills, and everything else. Um, so, players have got every right to ask questions and and want to know what the answers are. And Sam Hutchinson, he said that he's one of those players. He said it's not a big deal. So Sam Hutchinson it was one of those who's saying that he expects it to be sorted. So it could be that we don't know the identity of all the players who've not been paid their wages in full. It could be the lads who have just left in the main. We don't we don't know the, the full ins and outs. We're, we're not privy to that information. But I, I do think that it, it's a concern. Of course, it has to be. That yeah. Was it around sort of November, December when this last happened? And so, um, it, it, yes, the coronavirus, big impact and everything. We get that. It, these are difficult times. And, and people shouldn't forget, James, as well, that there is no revenue coming into this football club. The man picking up the tab for everything right now is De Ponchanceri. It's true, and that, that's not me defending him. That's just me stating a fact. He is propping yep. up the football club right now, and he's got nothing yep. coming in. So I do think you have to uh, you know, seriously sympathise on that front, that no one could be prepared for this situation. But the, the delay, lateness in wages and everything... Um, I hope it. I hope this is the last time we talk about it. I hope that this this doesn't happen again, or if this it becomes a recurring theme, then people will be worried about what the, you know, the future. They'll be or they'll be worried about well financially the sort of position Wednesday are in. Yeah, I mean, let's just emphasise that th- those points there that you know we saw uh, this week. We've seen Wigan become the first club to go into administration as a result of it, barely weeks after a new owner took over at the the club. I think that just shows how you know exaggerated problems are at the moment and how quickly things can spiral for for clubs because as you said there's there's no revenue coming in and and that for any football club football club expenditure really is i mean it's 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 criminal really the 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 wage bill of all football clubs is just so insane that when revenue starts to become a, an issue 
it, those costs must just spiral and spiral and spiral. So, firstly, you know, fair play, you know, Chancery is picking up that 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 bill. Um, that there is no way that this club is in any way close to being able to meet its outgoings from from the money that it, it raises and hasn't done for several years. To be fair, um, but you know, as you kind of make the point, if any, if either of us or, or anyone listening to this was not paid their full wage for a month. Firstly, you know, that would be an inconvenience. It would be um, annoying. It could cause you financial problems. You know, we're not talking about wages on the scale of footballers, but, you know, for any of us, we have to live within our means. But the other thing then is you think, oh, gosh, does this mean my, does this mean my, my employer's in trouble? You know, what what's going on here? Why has this situation come round? And and you, you, you have to, you know, anyone saying this is a non-story has got to think, well, hang on, you've actually got to look a little bit outside of the story and just say, look, if this situation is coming around, what does that mean? You know, what what really is the situation here? And that's where, you know, we start to worry a little bit and, um, you know, quite rightly so that you, you, you start to try and think, well, what is, what is the situation? Yeah. And, um, hopefully this is the last that we need to speak of it and it doesn't come around anymore. Um, and, and speaking about football as a whole here, there is, you know, Wigan going to some administration this week is not going to be the only club who yeah. have major, major problems as a result of the situation in football right now. And, it becomes a real worry when you really start to think about at what point will fans be able to go back to football games? Because, you know, I've thought about this and thought, right, well, you know, is is next season a possibility? And you think about pretty much everything that anyone does at a football game is high risk. You know, you sat close together, everyone's squeezing inside a stadium together, squeezing outside of the stadium when they leave. Everyone, everyone's singing songs, which is banned. You can't even sing songs at weddings now. You know, all the, all the things that happen in football games, you think, guys, such a long way away before football fans are allowed back. So football clubs up and down the country are going to have massive, massive issues um, as a result of this. I've got no doubt that we'll, you know, we, we look at the league as it is now, uh, whether every single club in the in the FL will survive, I seriously, seriously doubt it. So you, you're right that we've got to cut not just Wednesday, but all clubs, the fans have got to cut their clubs a bit of slack, but we need to have faith that, that you know Wednesday will be um, all right. So yeah, lots lots of questions, um, and and hopefully, as we say, it's the last time that we'll um, we'll have to answer them. Oh, um, oh, we- oh, sorry, James, I can say other point. Lastly, to make on this subject too is that the chairman, uh, people should also remember that he is you know, he's paying staff one hundred percent on furlough, yeah. and and the season ticket offers options, the refunds. Not all clubs are, are offering what Wednesday have. Um, so yeah, these are really difficult, challenging times. I echo everything you say there about, I do worry and fear for the future of a lot of the EFL clubs financially. Wednesday are fortunate that they've got, um, a wealthy benefactor who has ploughed millions upon millions into this football club over the last five years. Uh, and there's no sign of him. Uh, stopping his financial commitment and support to the club, and uh, you know he is right now um, ha- probably putting in a, a lot of contingency plans for the future, uh, or, or, or trying to prepare for uh, you know when f- fans are allowed back and when they, you know, when they can actually start to generate some more money. Um, uh, but yeah, they, they've got to cut the cloth accordingly, and um, so no, it's. It was hope that we can draw a line under this and move on, James. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, we are pretty much out of time. We've not talked about the FL charge, but there's nothing really to report. So uh, we will uh, monitor that over the next few days and, and see what comes of it. Uh, so that's going to wrap us up then for this week. You can catch Dom at Dom Housen. I'm at James Marriott or contact the show at Dom and James. Uh, thank you again to our gold sponsor, Taito Law, who you can find at titolaw.co.uk. Um, thank you for joining us. If you like singing the blues, please rate and review the show in your podcast app. Up the owls and we'll see you next week. Thank you